Hello, this is Abby. Dear Abby, this is gonna be a long one. Oh boy. Dear Abby, how do you tell the difference between a new exciting crush and a rebound? Does it matter? Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Welcome to our little corner of the internet. This is the Dear Abby podcast. I hope you stay and hang out with us. See you in a sec. Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Abby. I am your host. My name is Abby, and it's been a while, I feel, since we've talked. So I have a lot of stuff to dump on you guys and a lot to unpack. (laughs) Just kidding. Kind of. So there's no video for today um, because I so I recorded actually. Yes. Not yes. Yeah. I think No. Two days ago. And I have been sick the past, like ever since I got back from vacation. Well, yeah, I guess vacation. Eating Thanksgiving dinner with my family, you know, that whole thing. I feel like there's a bunch of random sick people, including my boyfriend. So, but he claimed he wasn't sick, but we all know he was actually sick now because I'm deathly ill and I, it is that time of the month for me. So, I am struggling big time and I was feeling a little bit sick a couple days ago when I recorded and pretty much I just made no sense. So I was starting to edit my recording and I was like, I cannot put this out on the internet because it was so all over the place. I couldn't usually when I go on ramblings, I can usually edit some of it out to make it make sense. So it sounds like what I wanted to say and what I wanted it to be about but this one was not fixable. So I just wanted to be transparent. Okay, I don't record a perfect podcast every single time the first time around. And I do edit. So there you have it, I guess. Do without what you will. So for some updates. One, I'm sorry I didn't say or two weeks ago that I wasn't going to do an episode on Thanksgiving because it just felt, I don't know, it just felt weird to like post an episode on Thanksgiving for some reason. So I decided not to do that, but I didn't warn anyone. And I'm realizing I need to be professional and warn you guys when I'm not going to have an episode post. So I'm very, I'm very sorry. And I apologize that I did not give you a warning beforehand. I kind of forget that people actually listen, to be honest, because when you're just talking to yourself in a microphone, staring at a computer or a camera lens, looking at yourself, you feel a little bit crazy and like no one's actually listening. Um, but there are some of you and I appreciate the some of you. And I want to honor you by telling you next time. So because I apologize and I feel bad that I didn't warn you. I do have a bonus episode this week and it is with a very special guest and it will be juicy and good because it's with my boyfriend. So post, we're talking post-divorce, well, post my divorce, what it's like to be dating again after a pretty bad past relationship, Um, what it's like to be in a healthier relationship and why I still sometimes have guilt because I... We'll get into all of this fun relationship stuff. So that will be released on Saturday. So you get two episodes this week because I feel bad about last week. And that is what my guilt has driven me to do. So look forward to that. It'll be released just, you know, at 12 a.m. It'll go live. You can find on Apple, Spotify, same places. 
Uh, I do usually have video for my podcasts, but like I said, it's just kind of been a wild week with getting back from vacation and getting really sick. And then I'm on my period and I just feel like absolute crap. So I've been bedridden all day and it's just the video is just not going to happen. But there's, (laughs) if I'm honest, there's not that many people that watch on YouTube. So and I, my camera's not that great anyway, so it's kind of bad quality. So that part of my podcast, I'm not going to lie, stresses me the freaking F out because I can't, I don't have a nice setup yet. And so I just feel so not confident in my video setup because I don't, I don't know the settings. I, I've done research. I've watched videos. It's so hard for me to understand how video, a video camera works. So again, y'all are, uh, you're learning with me on how to do this whole thing uh, without any team or any experience or anything like that. So thank you for your patience, I guess is what I'm saying. So Thanksgiving, a couple thoughts because again, I went to Thanksgiving in Arizona. So I visited my family because most of my family still lives there and I missed my family. I love going back. I really do love Arizona. I have no ill feelings when I go back there. I love visiting my family, my mom, my dad, my brothers, and my sweet little niece that I never get to see. She's so old now and it's crazy, but I just love going back there and I love the sunsets in Arizona. It's such a classic Arizona thing to love, but it's just because there's something about when you can see the entire horizon in a place that makes me feel so connected to God. And and that sounds so cheesy, but it's so true. I feel like I could just leap out into the clouds. I'm not I'm not intoxicated right now. This is genuinely just how I think and feel when I see a full horizon and it's like golden hour or it's in the morning or at night. Sunrise, sunset, doesn't matter. It's all beautiful. It's so orange, it's pink. The houses are tan because it's Arizona, so they're kind of ugly and boring, but it's charming to me. And the sun always has like the craziest colors in the morning reflected onto the clouds, you know, in the dust in the sky or sand or whatever is in the sky because it's Arizona. And it reflects onto the tan houses, especially in my neighborhood, and it looks orange. So everything just looks orange, and that's my favorite color. So I take it as like God's way of saying that he loves me when I see that. So I just really miss the Arizona skies. Um, California has beautiful skies, but it doesn't give me it doesn't give me that same warm, tingly feeling that an Arizona sunset does and sunrise. So at my in my old room in my parents' house, there was a uh, I don't <laughs> I was about to say what direction it was facing, like a north facing window. I don't know what way it was facing. I'm going to be honest, but I could see, okay, I guess it would be the sun rises on the east and sets in the west, maybe. So I guess it was south. I was facing south. So I could see on my left was the sunrise and the right was the sunset, I think. I don't really know. Okay. Basically, I could see beautiful views out that window. Um, I think that's a room that I, Chelsea had growing up. Well, Ch- okay, Chelsea had that room growing up until I think she graduated and then I got that room. I loved that room, but that was always the room that everyone said that there was a ghost and Chelsea claimed she saw a ghost in that room. So I had a little bit of spooky vibes, but I thought it felt pretty good. I think it was a friendly ghost is what she said. So it was all friendly vibes in there with the little ghosty. 
But I went into that room a bunch and just watched the sunrise as often as I could and the sunset um, because it just makes me feel good. So my week also consisted of obviously a lot of food, a lot of uh, eating fast food. Um, I sat by my sister's kid in the car who's almost two. So it was uh, entertainment for about eight hours because there's a lot of traffic. So that was super fun. That actually might be why I'm sick because I was talking so much and singing. And I think it just, I did something to my vocal cords. So also if I sound all sexy and raspy, that's just because I'm sick. <laughs> I don't think I sound sexy. I probably just sound really nasally. Uh, so don't come for me for that. That was a joke. Anywho, uh, also there was a lot of, uh, Mario Kart played with my siblings. There was a point which I really did transport back into being 10 years old because my mom was telling us to come eat dinner that she had prepared, slaved away preparing for <laughs> a while. And me and all of my, not all of my siblings, me and three of my siblings were saying, you know, the classic, mom, we can't, mom, we can't come right now. Give us like 10 minutes. We can't pause this game. It doesn't pause. We can't, we can't, we can't stop the game mom, please. And then that would just go either one or two ways. Either she would come in and turn it off or she would, you know, let you finish the level or whatever it was. Let's be honest. Most of the time you could pause it, you know, but you'd go back to a certain checkpoint and that would suck. So you just didn't want to pause it. A lot of that made me feel like I was 13 again, which, you know, isn't bad to be honest. I was, my mom was saying she feels the same way when she goes to her parents' house. It's just, you feel safe. You feel taken care of. Um, so you kind of seep back into being a kid a little bit, whether that's bad or good. Don't know. Don't care. Felt good for a little bit. Not forever, but for a little bit, it felt really good. Also, we played Super Smash Bros. That's more so that game I hate so much because I just am the same characters that I, I keep clicking. This. No one knows what they're doing in that game. I am, I am so convinced that everyone is just button mashing. That is the ultimate button mashing game. I don't really know why it's fun. The only time I thought it was fun was once I finally understood how to not fall off of the map immediately and die because we would do the three lives thing. And so it'd be one for all. Wait, all for one? Wait, it would. everyone was against each other. So when you die three times, you're done. You're donezo completely. And then the last person standing wins. It was normally my brother, my older brother, and the rest of us would normally die. But I was... I would die first probably 95% of the time. So I don't find that game fun because I suck at it and I've never been good at it. I don't think I've ever gotten good at it, but I did get a little bit better because I knew how not to fall off the map by the end of the week. Um, and I did, we did have a game that was like the tournament game, which didn't make sense because it was just a random game before dinner. And we're like, okay, whoever wins this wins the, wins the whole thing for the day, whatever that means. So we did that and I won somehow. Uh, so I got the crown and it didn't feel fair for everyone else, but it felt fair to me because of the hard work and the labor I had put in up until that point to not simply just fall off the map and die and kill myself three times. Also, something else I was thinking about is uh, pie is so mid you know, I don't know if mid still a thing, but pie is very mid. It's just not like that good. I've never really liked pie. I just eat it because it's there and you put whipped cream on and everyone else is eating it. And it's like you feel like you have to. 
I don't really like, I would never, ever, if it's not Thanksgiving, I would never want pie. But for some reason, it's just when Thanksgiving comes around and after you eat dinner and you see pie, it's like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Does it though? Does it actually? Not really. The ice cream does. The whipped cream does. But pumpkin mousse is really the only one that I really, really like. I always try the fruity ones with like, I don't know, my boyfriend likes razzleberry or whatever the heck. And it's like raspberry and blueberries or something. I just don't like those. I just don't like them. I don't hate them. And I don't love them. And I don't like them. But I just, I will eat them. But maybe I'm crazy and everyone loves, actually genuinely loves pie. But I started to think about, do I even like this? It's kind of like a little bit of an existential crisis. Of Do I actually like eating pie? Is pie good? Are we all just brainwashed into thinking that pie is good? Ah, someone's going to come at me for not liking pie. But I don't really love it. Most of the time I just scrape off all of the inside of the pie and I just eat the the crust with like a very thin layer of whatever cream or creme or filling was inside of the pie. And I'm going to be honest, that's that's what I do almost every single pie I eat. Yeah, light up the comment section if you agree that pie's mid. Just kidding. I'm not kidding you guys. I thought I was uh, today has been a roller coaster of a day emotionally for me. I thought it would be fun to do some dubs and L's. I did that at the beginning of my podcast and I thought it was a fun segment, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it all the time just because I feel like I need a little bit more. um, That's like it requires a lot of audience participation and not that I don't believe in you guys because I definitely do, but it's just I already ask you guys to send in voicemails and I don't want to ask you guys to send in dubs and L's and the dubs and L's are can be whatever, but today mine are going to be mental health wise. I just think it's uplifting to share other people's wins and also relate to other people's losses. So here are mine for the for the past two week, I guess two weeks during Thanksgiving, during the holidays, obviously. A lot of people get triggered if they have a mental illness or if they have, I I don't know, if they have expectations because you're with the people you love and you care about the most. And so you expect to have no anxiety and just feel good and feel safe and feel loved and all the happy emotions. And sometimes when your body and your like brain isn't participating because it's not super healthy at the moment, it can feel pretty devastating when you don't feel those things. And I definitely felt that. But I had a lot of good times too, though. There was definitely moments where I was feeling very connected and that felt really good. But I think I kind of let my emotions not control me, but it's more like I I obsessed about how I was feeling more than I probably should have, uh, which I'm sad about because I know better and I should have caught myself before going down the rabbit hole but unfortunately I did not and a couple hours into one of the days I was pretty and I was in a dark place um feeling very everything felt very meaningless all that fun stuff it's things that I've unfortunately felt a lot of times before so I know how to handle it but it never feels any better you know it feels like the first time you've ever felt those things same with like a panic attack um but I guess to be more positive, I, the next couple of days, I really had a lot of anxiety 
And the dub of that, like the, the positive was that I was able to really not obsess over it and choose to not worry about why I was feeling a certain way or why I wasn't feeling as connected or why I didn't feel so much love for, I don't know, just like random situations and people and I don't know. And I just got very, not strict, but I got more disciplined with my thoughts and they didn't go undisciplined, I guess. And I also had a panic attack the other day. It came out of nowhere. I haven't had panic attacks in a while and just a shot of adrenaline, cortisol. I felt like I was just working at a coffee shop. I didn't drink coffee either, so I don't think it was that. Um, but I just was working and I just started to feel really dis like, uh, I guess de derealization, like derealized. I don't know how you'd say that, but I experienced a lot of like disassociative patterns. I don't know if that's like the right term for it, but my brain like pretty much just like disconnects from stuff and from myself sometimes. So it's like weird stuff. Like I'll feel like my hands are too long. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like what people describe being high sometimes when they have a bad trip, but mine just like, I don't know how to describe it. It just feels you're very disconnected from yourself and from the world. It's very isolating. And that usually happens when I have like a lot of panic symptoms, like when I start to panic out of nowhere. So that happened. And instead of, again, obsessing about, okay, why am I, I thought I was over this. I thought my panic, you know, had gone down. I thought I wasn't, didn't care about panic attacks anymore. None of that. I just recognized and I was okay, this is an opportunity for like a split second. I made it a decision that was just like, just feel this, let the anxiety don't like, I, I do this thing where it's almost, I don't know if this is necessarily like compulsion. I, I don't know what it is, but I don't let my anxiety get to its max because I feel like it builds up, builds up all this energy and I, and I try to cut it off. So I'll cut it off with like, I tense my stomach or I clench my fist or something just to like stop it. And I've learned that that's, you know, through therapy and just before that reading books, that's, that's actually not helpful. And you just got to let it run its course and not try to think of why it's happening, where it's coming from which I've had therapists tell me that I need to figure that out, which has never really been helpful for me. So it might be helpful for you. But for me personally, when I'm panicking to try to figure out why I'm panicking makes it a million times worse. So I just kind of let it run its course. I It got to its max anxiety. I don't know how to describe it other than that. It just feels like it's like piling on really fast, really fast, really fast. And then I need to do something to make it stop. But instead, I just let it go and just see where it takes me. <laughs> which is really scary and then it just doesn't take you anywhere <laughs> it's like then it's just that's it you know it just climaxes and then it just go, kind of starts to seep away you get little like uh small aftershocks I guess of feeling a little bit weird and dazed or whatever but I didn't leave the coffee shop I stayed there I I put my hand in my head because I felt a little bit dizzy but I just kept reading my notes and my emails and what I was doing. Um, and I just breathed and I didn't care what I looked like to others. I didn't try to like, you know, hide it in the sense that made it worse. It was more so just, I'm not like screaming, being like, I'm panicking. You know, it was like a very silent panic attack. If someone was looking really closely at me, they'd probably see that I was a little bit distressed. However, I felt so much better about myself after and my body felt like it was like saying thank you to me because I didn't shove it down. And so that was a huge dub. 
Um, and so I guess if you are similar to me where you start to get anxious and then you don't want like that adrenaline or that feeling to climax because you're scared of what that's going to do. For me, it worked to obviously it's kind of what I've talked about a lot about feeling your emotions, but just letting it climax and then discovering that it doesn't, nothing happens. That's just what your, your body just is doing this and you don't have to figure out all the reasons why. So those are some L's and dubs. And I think that was all for my life updates for today. I have, I have notes sometimes for my life updates so I can remember. And one of my notes just says Neo, <laughs> like the R&B guy, Neo, N-E-Y-O, I think is what it is on Spotify, maybe. I've, I think I just wrote that down because I've been listening to Neo a lot. Don't know why I thought you guys would care, but apparently I did in the moment. So Neo, I guess. Okay, I totally forgot to say what the episode is for today. It, I mean, most of it was just a life update, but we do have a Dear Abby later. And then I was going to talk about rage baiting and clickbait type of stuff and what that has done for me, you know, negatively, how that has impacted me. And like the trap we get caught in of clicking into things that we don't actually care about and we know it's not going to help us or make us feel better. But we're very much, I don't want to say addicting, addicted, we're obsessed or we're, I don't know, we're just, we feel like we need to or we just aren't aware and intentionally, I don't know, we're doing it intentionally to numb ourselves or to escape or to like just fall into the same pattern. Sometimes it's not that deep. Sometimes it's just like, you click on it because you're curious, but then it like kind of makes you feel sad and then you, it just doesn't, it's not good for you. Going into that, if you don't know what rage baiting is, it's very much like a pop culture term, which I don't normally love, but I think it's just a way to identify when someone or a content creator or just a troll on the internet in the comments says something, posts something that they know is very polarizing and they know the internet they know what people say how people act and they post something say something so that they get clicks into it and the way they get you is just because it enrages you like it makes you mad and you want to interact with it because it makes you mad and people 100% do that as like a way to get you to click on their page to interact with their video to send your their video to your friend it's a way they want to get onto the algorithm because they know more people are interact with the video um, as well as comments a lot of people you know trolls the classic internet trolls they'll comment just to basically rage bait you into liking or replying or something and i think i've just and this point of my life, I've learned those people are the worst kind of people to feed into because that just feeds into this weird like cortisol stress addiction that I feel like our generation is kind of trying to get out of. And I don't know any of the science behind this, but I, I really would be curious to have someone on sometime and talk about this and what it does to you, you know, in the negatives but I think the reason I wanted to talk about it is because it's been so negative for me and my mental health, reading comments. It's okay. Like when you're going on TikTok or you're on Instagram and you watch a video, it's like pretty cute. It's wholesome or it's about like it's a 10 second video of someone parenting or it's like a 
30 second video of someone helping a dog that's astray or <laughs> that shows what things are on my algorithm. The other things that are on my algorithm, it was BTS edits for a very long time, you guys. And then I felt a little bit weird about that because I started getting weirder. So I changed my algorithm by <laughs> like saying not interested and stuff. So I didn't feel as creepy that every time I got on TikTok, it was like just a bunch of men. <laughs> I feel like the edits that people do on like CapCut or whatever it's called. When you're, when there's a video like that and you immediately go into the comments, we all do it. And maybe not we all, but a lot of us probably do it. Maybe it's just me, but I've, I'm every single person I know before the video is over, they're already in the comment section looking, <clears throat> don't know what they're looking for. They're just looking. Some people are looking for something funny which usually is something mean and it's very predictable. Most people are looking for something that is triggering to them for some reason because we're addicted to like being triggered. And I was for a while and I still sometimes find myself wanting to get like, not, I don't even know how to describe it. It's that you're not wanting to get triggered, but you kind of are. <laughs> I should have thought of a better way to describe it, but it's like this feeling that it, I think it's a false way of thinking that when you find people who comment contradictory things on like a pretty nice video, you know there's going to be mean people. You know there's going to be people who find one thing wrong with the video and make a total assumption about the person, their lifestyle, you know, completely not relevant to what the person was posting about, but they just make a judgment on that person's entire life and value system based on a 10-second video. And yet we, we read it and then we let it make us mad sometimes. Maybe not again. I'm saying we because I do this and I let it make me mad and I never interact with it. Like I, I know better to interact or to comment back. I never comment back on things, only positive stuff. But even when people are just trying to make you angry, I never interact, but it's just, I still read the comments and I still almost like, uh, I don't know if it's intentional or unintentional, but I look for them. So I guess that's the definition of intentional is looking for something. And I don't know why. It's like I'm so used to having everything that I like being spat upon, you know? And so I'm used to it at this point and I expect it. I don't know why we sometimes still feel the need to read mean comments, read negative comments. Even with my podcast, it's like I see most of the stars that people give are like five five stars, four point something stars. And then there's some one stars. And I'm like, why didn't you give me like, what did I do? Like I did something bad. They're not doing that to offend also. So I guess that is different than rage baiting. But it's like, I think on the receiving end of being rage baited or click baited, it's like you just are a a little bit curious. And B, I think the curiosity comes with wanting to solve it. And wanting to like, okay, so I need to have all the information of every opinion ever on the internet so that I know that my decision is correct. And I know that the way that I live is good and everyone agrees and I can find a way to make everyone happy, basically, so I can validate my own beliefs based off of other people's opinions sometimes is how it feels. And that's such a not good way to live because no matter what you believe, no matter what values you hold, so many people will stomp on them, think they're stupid, think you're doing life wrong, think they're right, you're wrong. I've noticed that giving in, like getting baited by rage or, you know, by something very polarizing is just a way that we can try to solve something that doesn't need to be solved, nor can it be solved, is trying to 
I think for me, I, I a little bit of OCD comes in or just like an obsessive way of thinking of like, okay, so if I believe this way, I don't ever want to offend anyone. I don't ever want to say something ignorantly. So I need to look at everybody else's perspective, even if they're spitting upon something that I love or that I like. And I take it so personally because I'm like, well, I don't want something that I like to ever hurt someone. That's a very good way of thinking, you know, intention wise, but then that actually stomps on my values. And then I feel very uh, uh, stuck. And I feel like I'm not allowed to do what I actually really want to do and be who I actually really want to be because I'm stuck trying to please people that don't even really exist around me. <laughs> and they're just like random opinions online. And maybe you're listening to this saying, I've never done that. And that's crazy. But I promise you, there are probably people out there that do this because there's no way that 8 billion people are the only one that does this because then there wouldn't be so much rage baiting online <laughs> and click baiting. It, okay. And then we'll go into click baiting. The, the, also, the reason I'm saying this is because I'm just, it was so unhelpful for me to even read mean comments or to go in the comments to try to find something contradictory because I knew it was going to be in there. Like I'll, I would like a video for example, not like actually like I would be watching something. I'm like, oh, this is sweet. I love this. Like this resonates with me. And then I'll go in the comment section. It's like, oh, this is so cringe or this is so stupid or, oh, that's so toxic if you do that to your kid or, but I'm like, oh my gosh. And now I'm so confused all over again about what my values are and what they should be. Because if this person doesn't agree, why don't they agree? I need all the information. When in reality, that's, that's just not possible to have everyone agree on the exact same things all the time in every single state that everyone is in in life it's just like it's not everyone has wounds everyone has triggers and there's certain things that trigger them and so they have the need to comment and if that doesn't trigger you then you don't have to worry about it and it's just a person online basically don't fall for it okay don't fall for the cortisol spike uh, most people are very wounded and they're triggered from something they see in a video and they feel the need to comment and that's just their way of coping not sure why they do it but I cope in different ways clickbaiting that's a whole other thing it's not rage baiting because it doesn't they don't say something that's make you mad or or like try to be polarizing clickbait is just more I don't oh also rage baiting could just be like this celebrity gained 200 pounds or, or no, okay that's kind of crazy this celebrity is fat now sorry that word's probably triggering but that's like the kind of stuff that they'll say and it's to get you to click on because you're like shocked. You're like shock baited into clicking onto something. That's also something that don't fall for it because the more that we can get these like dumb media pages down and these people who comment like trolls, don't give them the energy. We should try to not feed into that as much as possible. I accept that there's always going to be people who love that stuff. And that's just always going to be how a lot of people are. And I I'm trying to accept that, but it sometimes does make me really sad. So I don't think it's very helpful. And with clickbaiting, that's more so like Zendaya. Everything on my, if I ever go on Instagram and I go to the explore page, it's always Zendaya. I, I don't know where it comes from. I don't really know why. I don't like follow any of Zendaya stuff. I haven't even seen Dune. I watched Shake It Off, you know, when I was 10. It's also just stuff like that. That's very clickbaity. And they'll be like, this person went on a date with this person. Oh. <gasps> And I know, I know all of you eat it up. I eat it up sometimes too. I think the point is sometimes it's fun just to talk about, you know, random pointless stuff with your friends. But I think if you struggle really badly with comparison or with feeling out of place, feeling like, feeling like your life doesn't matter, you know, just mental health. I've just found that the less you click on to stuff and 
the less you worry about other people's lives in general, the happier you'll be and the more satisfied with your own life you'll be instead of constantly comparing and saying, well, what if, what if, what if is my life supposed to look like that? You know, everything always looks glamorous from the outside looking in. And um, it's hard to let that go sometimes, the what ifs, because it's like, oh, what if it's better? You have to kind of detach from a lot of from those what ifs to really enjoy your life now. You know, that's all. Uh, I'm uh, speaking on my own personal experience of weirdly looking at the comments way too much on everything. I always look at comments. Some comments are really funny, though. Like there's still a lot of comments that I'll look at. And I just think they're funny, like they're being funny. And and it really gives a bad name to anime watchers. But it's always people who have an anime profile that are so mean. I'm like, who? What values? Huh? Have you learned from your animes that you watch? Because <laughs> almost every anime I've ever watched has amazing values and would never say something like that online. Okay, so you are giving a bad name to people who watch anime because it's always you guys. It is, I swear, it is always anime profile pictures. Stop. Stop doing that. You're making me hate what I love and that's anime. Quit it, you. You're probably also 10 years old, so where's your mom? And also, I hope she's there for you. <laughs> and also, if you're above the age, I don't know, 12 and you're being a troll online, then I would say maybe just rethink it. Maybe just think, is this really how I want to be contributing to the world, giving anime a bad name? Huh? If you love it so much, stop giving it a bad name. That's really the most thing I'm salty about because nobody respects anime watchers anymore. Never have. <laughs> I don't know why I said anymore. No one ever has. But the trolls make it so much worse and you should be ashamed. There's more to you than that. You, you can use your humor and your wit and your sarcasm for something beautiful. Write a book. Huh? Write a book. Start a reaction channel that's funny, good, not super mean. And take the anime and Naruto character off of your profile picture immediately. Thank you. That's, that's all I have to say on the matter. And then really fast before we get into the Dear Abby, I think the last thing I want to say on rage baiting is... A lot of people also with their platforms who are influencers or who just create content for whatever thing that they're trying to sell you or whatever, you know, not bad. That's that's the country that I live in. It's capitalism. It's very much trying to sell consumerism. But just because they're doing it doesn't mean you have to eat it up. And also, I just really despise when people use fear tactics to get you to buy their products or use tactics of trying to stress you out and make you feel guilty or bad if you don't use their product or their service or if they say, you know, your relationship is going to crumble if you do A, B, and C, and but it's not presented in a very thoughtful, thought-provoking way. It's more in like a fearing, trying to make you feel scared. So you click on it because you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want that to happen. And then you read into it and then you start to overthink don't give in to that stuff. You can trust your own life. You can get your own revelations. You can get your own, you know, you can have your own thoughts and feelings about things and you don't need some random person online to tell you how to think and how to feel. And not saying any of those people are, are really doing anything bad. They could have great advice, but I think just be careful with it because I, when my OCD was really bad, I used to just read a ton of relationship 
advice on Instagram and it was so I over consumed so much to where my brain would not like shut off. It was like I overanalyzed everything I did. My partner did everything I felt, everything I said, everything he said, because it was like, do this, do this, don't do this. This can't be good. This is good. This is bad. Blah, blah, blah. blah. So I think it's just I really just don't want people to be as stressed out as I was and to be as overwhelmed as I was with information. Yeah, I just want people to feel better. Break the habit of clicking into rage baiting, click baiting. Don't give in to it, okay? Don't do it. Don't let the anime profile picture get you riled up. Okay, let's do a Dear Abby. And then we will round out this episode. Dear Abby. Hi, it's your cousin, Nicole. Okay, I just wanted to let you know I love listening to your podcast, especially because we're OCD twins. <laughs> Every time you talk about Ayo. the challenges around OCD, I feel very validated. So thank you, and yay for shared family genes and mental illnesses. <laughs> um, okay, so I would love your advice on how you got into drawing and how you keep going when the things you draw aren't how you imagine in your head. Um, I, I realized I like, I love seeing your art on your social media and that's something that I aspire to. I so badly want to learn how to draw and I used to draw a lot when I was a kid, but, um, a lot of OCD stuff that I've struggled with has been around perfectionism. And, um, I just remember as a kid, I stopped drawing because I would get so frustrated and I haven't really drawn since, but I so badly want to, uh, work on it and to draw um, and yeah, so I'm just curious, like how you combat, um, being patient with yourself and battling against like perfectionism or like, oh, I wish it looked this way and it, it doesn't. I, uh, as like a side note, I have all of the basic materials I need, but I just can't get myself to start. Um, and I really think that drawing would help me de-stress because I'm in a PhD program at Jeez. Northern Arizona University. And I think it would really help, but yeah, I just like have a mental block and I figured, um, I, yeah, he might have some good advice on that. So anyway, um, I love listening to your podcast. I'm excited to hear your advice. I uh, love you. Bye. Yay for family jeans. And I love that question because I think that kind of opens up a bunch of what well, I'm sure a lot of people listening also <laughs> struggle with if they have any kind of mental health issues or just any kind of mental blocks at all with something they want to start but it's like their brain makes them feel like they're they shouldn't or it just doesn't feel good and it just makes them feel worse and bad and confused and distressed so I'll okay so going back to my whole drawing journey I didn't always want to draw when I was a kid I would doodle. I was definitely a doodler, but I didn't ever try to get good. I think I just, I, for some, I just wasn't top of my mind, but I just always enjoyed it. It wasn't until a couple of years ago that I saw this girl who painted anime glass paintings. And I was like, that looks so, first of all, aesthetically pleasing. It's such a cool way to make characters that you love from your favorite shows. And it looks simple enough to do where I can just watch a couple YouTube videos and try it myself. And um, that's kind of where I started to paint again. Well, paint in general, but draw again. I When I first started doing the glass paintings, I actually didn't have a lot of anxiety with it. It was thankfully for me, I think that one aspect of my life at that time was very 
freeing. Like I actually didn't have OCD didn't latch to that. And my OCD wasn't actually fully, you know, going hardcore yet. I was just kind of more anxious every once in a while. I started to start drawing and watching more YouTube videos and I enjoyed it and my mind actually just got more quiet and it was almost like a meditative state that I could get into for a while. Um, and I would just watch YouTube videos and for a while I just drew circles, ovals and straight lines, <laughs> like different sizes. I probably drew like 6,000 of those honestly at this point to just kind of get better at the basics of drawing a circle, an oval and you know, a rectangle with straight lines or a square with straight lines. And I didn't take it too seriously at first, which I think helped me. It wasn't like, this is going to change my life. This is going to, I didn't have expectations. I just saw something that I thought was cool and I had the time. So I just started doing it day by day and didn't take it too seriously. Again, didn't put any expectation or pressure on it, which I think helps. And it wasn't until probably the past two years when my OCD actually really got, you know, like 24 seven obsessive, uh, compulsive that I kind of fell off of it for a bit because I felt very distressed when I would paint or draw because I feel like, is this how I'm supposed to feel? If I want to do this, am I supposed to do it this way, that way, you know, that's not good. That looks ugly. And it made me feel like it would like make me cringe or make me just almost feel disgust with myself, which sounds really sad, but that's like just the reality and of what OCD can make you feel like if you're not doing something perfect or if you're not doing something that's like a wow fact the first time you do it. So I stopped for a little bit and I just put that on the back burner, but then it was when I was living at my apartment no not apartment at my house in Huntington after I moved to California after my divorce after all that stuff I started to pick it up again and it was just because I was thinking OCD has stolen so much away from me it has taken so much joy away from me and this is one thing that brought me so much joy and peace and really felt like connected to such a deep part of myself and like an artist part of myself that I love and I adore her. So I wanted to tap into that, but OCD was making it unbearable is what it felt like. And I was like, I just refuse to let OCD take this because it's taken, you know, I don't enjoy a lot of things that I used to anymore. So I'm just going to kind of fight back by just still doing a painting and making it imperfect on purpose and also just leaving it to be a little bit ugly and not what I want it to be exactly and staring at it and being okay with that and feeling a little bit uncomfortable for a little bit, but then kind of almost like a way of getting back at OCD <laughs> and like I'm taking my power back. I don't care if you make me feel disgusting or pathetic or stupid by painting and by doing something that's I'm new at and I'm not that good at yet. I don't care what you make me feel. I'm going to do this because it makes me feel free and I can do it. And so that mentality really helped me kind of get back into it. And then it became for me, thankfully, not OCD just kind of detached from it. Like it didn't latch onto it. It latched onto other things. And so I was able to really use painting as a way to actually not escape. It was a way to really get into my own 
mind and it made me have a safe place in myself, which was very therapeutic for me, obviously. So I'm really passionate that other people don't give up something that they want to do because OCD makes them feel yucky or makes them feel just like a bully to them when they try to do something. So there was one exercise that I did to get into this mindset of like, you're not taking that away from me. I wrote down all the things that OCD has taken away from me and all the joy it has, specific things, relationships, um, passions, just the simplicity of life. It took away so many things from me at a time and it still is, I'm struggle with it every day, but I found it very helpful to write that stuff down and almost get angry about it, but not in like a helpless victimization, you know, victimizing yourself way. It's more of like an angered, like empowering. I, you're not taking that away from me. This is, I want this. I want this relationship that happened with like just my, I feel like my relationship with God. I was like, no, I, this is something that this is the most important thing to me. I'm keeping this and you're not taking that away from me. Painting was one of those things. I was like, you're not taking that away from me. I find so much joy in it. I feel so connected with myself. That being said, when I do it, sometimes I still get a little bit anxious and I feel really discouraged very fast, but I just use it as a way to almost meditate while I do it and just notice the thoughts and notice the sensations, notice the feelings that I get when I'm painting and it looks a certain way or even when it looks good but I just start to notice it and I do it with a mindset of I'm free. I'm free to create what I want. And it's okay that I am free to create whatever I want, that there's no, it's just more chaotic. That's okay. Suck it pretty much. (laughs) I think (laughs) in a kind way, you know? So as far as mindset goes, I think that's what I would say. And then as far as actually logistically what to do, I I'm not that good <laughs> at painting. I really am not, but I call myself an artist now. I I just actually watched a video, I think two weeks ago, that was like, if you feel like you're an imposter when you're getting into art, um, that's very common. And a lot of people don't call themselves artists because they're not painting like the Mona Lisa and they don't have like these iconic pieces that a million people are you know, paying a ton of money for. But my heart feels very much like an artist, creative heart. And... I have, I like working in very analytical spaces like data analysis. I love that stuff, but there's a huge part of my heart that loves imagination, creativity that fuels me. He was saying, if you are starting to do art and you've been practicing, you can call yourself an artist. That's okay. So I think first and foremost, if you start feeling silly because it's not good or you feel like, oh, I just want to be able to draw this already and I want to be able to draw, you know, I want to do these projects and what if by the time that I get good, like no one will like this type of stuff any anymore and so I it doesn't matter. Don't think about the future and what it's going to turn into. Just use art as a way to create something that you're, that you're feeling, that you're thinking and a way to get it out in more of a chaotic way. And it's just been a beautiful practice, I think, because of that. So I do a lot of digital art now. Um, I do like painting, but I do a lot of digital art. Um, But I think, honestly, doing a lot of circles and ovals is helpful. And also just watching YouTube tutorials of people who are very encouraging with 
starting art and encouraging new artists to practice because there's so many good videos and books on Amazon that you can buy and just do one thing at a time. And when you're painting, just repeat just this, just this line, just this circle. And if your OCD starts to flare up, just draw more crooked lines and horrible circles and just be like, and I drew a horrible circle. And I always try to, I used to cut corners, I think with my art and wanting to get good really fast. And that took the joy away from painting and drawing. So I think it's easy to get caught in that trap because I sometimes still do of just wanting to be good already, but it takes really the joy out of it for me because again, it's just more about letting your mind be at peace for a little bit and be able to create a safe space, which might take some time. Whatever anyone wants to do, if it's really something that you're craving that you really want or something that you just really would value, don't let anything stop you. Just do it one day at a time. Don't think about what it's going to look like in 10 years. Just do it for today. Just do it for yourself. Do it for today. If your mind starts to be like, oh, but you know, what if this and in five years, is this going to be a thing and blah, 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 because that's what mine does. And I never find joy in that. It's I just always have to reel it back in to be like, okay, I'm just painting for today because I want to and I have fun doing it. And it brings me joy. And who cares if it's meaningless? It's not meaningless to me. Anyways, I hope that's helpful. Um, I don't have like YouTube references of who I used to watch and I still sometimes watch. But uh, maybe I'll find some when I post the episode and I can post it in the notes. Uh, okay, cool. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We don't have a friend of me today because... I figured uh, my boyfriend Keaton will be on the next episode and he's the most frenemy of all. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I just thought I already have a guest coming on and we'll do a segment like that anyways. So so we'll do a frenemies next week for our episode because it'll technically be the next one. Keep spreading the podcast around and give me a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. Go like and subscribe on YouTube. Love you guys. Bye. Oh, taking a ride to John Adley. Don't you bomb and so good or guy? I'm a gin papa. Kiss or lay in Bakun and Saram. She got my gin, I got.